0: Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at grillnationshow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go, even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello, and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining me today on 980 a.m. KMBZ, and as well, if you're listening today on iTunes via podcast. We greatly appreciate that, and we greatly appreciate it if you've uh, hit up our website at thegrillnationshow.com where you can find uh, all of our sponsors, supporters, contributors, all of our old shows, social media information, as well as photos of each and every one of our guests that I post each and every week on grillnationshow.com. You connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show, and you can search for me on social media. Just type in my name, Jason Grill. We appreciate you joining us each and every week here on the show. Before we get to our guests today, I want to thank our partners and supporters of The Grill Nation. Uh, they are title sponsors of the show, our Trusts, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Companies, and Ryan Rink. Contributors of The Grill Nation show are The Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co. Ryan Maybe is a guest host and honor contributor. KCADC, the Kansas City Area Development Council. Uh, very uh, cool event they had the other day with their annual luncheon. Uh, Tim Cowden and the crew did an awesome job. I'd advise you to... Check out the videos that they put together for that event. They were really cool. Uh, I'll share those on my social media as well. And last but not least, Brian Sarf with True Wealth & Company, a guest host and on-air contributor who joins us each and every month and brings on great guests. Recently, he brought on Lamar Hunt Jr. to the show. We had a lot of fun with him um, the other day. So, check out those titles, sponsors, and contributors at grillnationshow.com. Okay. Uh, before we get to our guests today, I also want to mention I appreciated all the folks that came out to our uh, our guest party, Grill Nation show party. We had a little event for all of our our uh, great guests we've had over the years. We've, we've reached six years since we started Entrepreneur KC and the Grill Nation show. Uh, I really appreciate all those people that came out to show their support. And actually, the whole point of the event was to introduce former guests to current guests to everyone to hopefully grow their businesses and to network. So, I appreciate you all coming out for that. If you're listening and you're a former guest, I want to continue to do those events and to send out, hopefully at some point, a monthly or quarterly newsletter uh, to continue connecting the great people that come on this show and their businesses because they're all doing great work here in the region. On today's show, we have John Lovell, who is the owner of Lovell Sagebrush Insurance Group, a recent uh, news to report about the new name and the merger. Uh, He is a guy that I met uh, their mutual friend will gregory i believe many years ago might have been another mizzou guy i don't really remember uh but it definitely happened at a football game or at a basketball game at some point but he uh is a active uh person in the community he's an entrepreneur and he is uh a guy who's taken a, a liking to civic involvement and what's going on in the business community and also growing his own company so i wanted to have him on today to talk about some things going on and also to uh We'll maybe talk about some golf, maybe some current events and, and whatnot. So welcome to the show, John. How are you today? Fantastic. It's, it's good to see you, man.
1: It's good to see you, too. I appreciate
0: I, you joining me today. I know that I uh, I called you kind of late to, to come on the air. Yeah, but I can't imagine
1: how many people had to cancel before I finally got the call, <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm happy to be here. It's I know you've
0: always, uh, you've always said we should uh, start a radio show together, so this is our first uh, opportunity to talk on the air. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. We will, won't we? <laughs> so tell us about yourself. You grew up in Lee Summit, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So uh, my father uh, moved us there almost thirty nine years ago from Alabama. So I'm actually born in Alabama. My whole family's from the South. But what,
0: how old were you when you moved? Four. Okay. So you, so you didn't really. You remember a little bit about it, or about Alabama, or
1: uh, very little. So okay. Right? But we spent some summers there vacationing, visiting relatives. So,
0: I'm so was that? Was Alabamian. that what part of Alabama was that?
1: Uh Sheffield, Alabama,
0: okay. which is This where you get the Southern accent. Yeah. I thought that was from yeah. Lee Summit. Now no, I know it's from Alabama. That is it's
1: from Alabama, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> so you moved to Lee Summit when that's you were right. four years old. Okay.
1: My dad took a uh job as the director of parks and recreation for the city of Lee Summit. So okay. um, when we moved there, I think there were twenty thousand people living in Lee Summit. Now there's close to 100,000. So
0: I knew it was getting close to 100,000 or more. Yeah. When you really think about that, that's pretty interesting. I mean, you think about like Columbia or Lawrence. I think they have like, you know, around 100 to 150,000. So it's it's crazy that it's almost the same size as those places.
1: Well, and if you just think of land area, Lee Summit is second only to St. Louis in the state of Missouri.
0: It is. Yes. Wow. I did not know that. It's a little nugget for you there. <laughs> it's it's uh it's a definitely a growing community. So when you were growing up, obviously it wasn't that big. One high school, okay. one junior high. right? How many high schools do they have now? They've got three. Three high schools, okay. Um, So you grew up there, you went to high school there, Lee Summit High School? That's right. And then uh, went off to Mizzou. What was that like? A lot of fun? Can I say what it was like? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're about Uh, the same age. You graduated, (laughs) I think, a year or two before I graduated from college, kind of the same age bracket. It, It was a lot different back then. There's oh, a, completely different. Yeah, but good times. No cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of fun. And uh, what did you get, a, a degree in uh, business there? Yeah, a degree in business, finance. Okay. Yeah. And so after college, what was your next step in, in the journey? Well, I think it's
1: interesting. When I was graduating from college, I think you were you – went 1998. to 1998. 1998, correct. Yeah. Uh, you did you were, do a four-year or five-year plan? That was a five-year plan. Okay. Five years. <laughs> Um, had That's I known smart. I was paying for that, I might have got out of there quicker. I didn't realize <laughs> the whole student loan thing. My dad wasn't real transparent on that. Um, but I think it, back in that time, uh, you were either going to go into some sort of professional services type degree, so it was engineering or law. And then what was kind of left over was ah, I'm going to go get into sales of some sort. So mm-hmm. stockbroker was really popular back then.
0: Yeah, it was, and uh, the economy was good. Yeah, when it was you graduated, really good. so. Yeah. It, when I was at SLU in oh one, I, a lot of people went to work at big you know, accounting firms, finance firms, investment bankers, and whatnot. There was a lot of jobs. In a lot there. of
1: consulting jobs, too. Yeah. Like Arthur Anderson was a big one that a lot of people took. Um, I actually went into insurance. You did? Which is odd But so I'm back right, in it now.
0: Right out of the sheet, you did?
1: Yeah. Took a job as a producer with a group called Gilbert McGill, which is now the Hayes Group.
0: And that was in Kansas City? Yep, it was in Kansas City.
1: And I lasted about eight months. <laughs> what happened there? Uh, I'm not sure I was ready for that. Uh, it was an old school mentality. It's like, here's a stack of papers and here's phone numbers. You call these CEOs and, and try to get us meetings. And
0: so it was a sales gig? It was a
1: sales gig, right. There was no professional experience or knowledge about what I was selling or what I was doing. It was mostly call these numbers and see if you can uh, get in front of them.
0: So you then worked for a company that worked with law firms. Because that's kind of when I got to know Between you. Between that,
1: okay. I actually left and went in the golf business for a couple years. You did. So I was a golf pro, assistant golf pro, for about two years. We need to
0: get that on your LinkedIn page. Yeah, so that really actually helps you. I'm just as a as a branding type person. That <laughs> you makes right, you more marketable. Okay, we are got to add that. So we'll, I want to talk about that um, when we get back because you you love the sport of golf. I, I played golf with golf. you one time in my life. You had one bad shot in 18 holes. At Lock Lloyd it was on number five. You hit—I think you might have hit it into the trees or right around the trees, but it wasn't—it wasn't in the middle of the fair. It was your. only I love bad. that you remember my bad shot. <laughs> it was one and shot. None of my good well, I tell that story whenever I play golf with people. I say, whenever I play there, I said I played with a friend here once, and he—he he was a member, and uh, he's—he had one bad shot. There's a couple people I want to set you up with for golf that are on the same level as you. As uh, pretty close that have had one or two bad shots, but nothing like you had. Do you remember the tip I gave you that day? Yeah, I do. What was it? Pretty (laughs) pretty windy that day. Swing the club easy. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And it's helped me ever since. Yeah. John Lovell is our guest today. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk more about what he does and then break down some uh, some really exciting things happening in our local community and have some fun as well. You're listening to the Grill Nation (laughs) show. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show, 980 AM KMBZ. And if you're listening on podcast via iTunes, we appreciate it. Always great to have you here uh, at the Grill Nation and listening to the show. John Lovell is our guest. He is the owner of Lovell Sagebrush Insurance Group. We'll get to that in just a second. But we were talking about John's love of of the game of golf. He's actually really good. Uh, If you want to check him out on the uh, handicap system, he's on there. Uh it's pretty good. But uh one five zero seven nine five three.
1: That's my gin.
0: But uh he gives good advice and one of the good things about when you play with John, very average golfer, thirteen to fifteen handicap, he uh he he doesn't um he brings you up. He made me feel <laughs> good. Um since then I've taken two lessons with a guy named Zach up at the National He's helped me out a little bit. He's so really good. He is he good. one of the best. He is good. So you mentioned you were a golf uh, assistant pro for a while. In yeah, your Journey. Yeah. What was that like? Where was that? So at? I really fell in love
1: with golf when I was at Mizzou. I worked at a municipal golf course there okay. through college, and uh,
0: just through playing and
1: no lessons or anything like that, got decent at the game. So
0: that's when you got decent in college. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We both started pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you were. You had a club in your hand at two years old.
1: No, I would say that I had a club in my hand growing up. Sporadically. My grandfather's a big golfer. Mm. Um, so every summer we go visit him in Knoxville. He was a professor at UT and
0: uh So what was what was the uh the decision for you to leave the job, the Cush job and become an assistant pro? Well there was nothing Cush about making
1: a hundred cold calls a day <laughs> when you're twenty one. After
0: you got your college degree you're right. you decided I'm gonna
1: Right. Well, I had a lot of friends in the golf business and uh I think I had maybe I was a little naive, thought I had uh, the ability or maybe an opportunity to to play professionally. It's like, if I go get in the golf business and I work at it and I've never really practiced, I've never really taken lessons. Um, didn't play at
0: college. uh -uh.
1: No, I never played tournaments or anything like that either. So, Mm -hmm. so I got decent, at the game, I worked for a management company, golf courses were opening everywhere. So this would have been like in 99 to 2001. They were just popping up everywhere. I Had a lot of friends in the golf business. I love playing. And so I went and, uh, Kind of had a fast track to be a GM at one of these management companies, golf courses across the country, and mm-hmm. um you know I did that for a couple of years.
0: And so you were traveling a lot. No, so I, mean, you I, was, I was actually in Blue Springs, okay. Adams Point golf
1: golf course. So, okay, um, but and I was just an assistant pro there. So.
0: so did you ever? You ever take, try to get on the uh, the tour? No, the web. I think you learned or... real
1: quick. You learn real quickly how how good the pros are and how tough a road that is to get there.
0: I don't know, John. I uh, I birdied the uh, 16th at, um, what's that course in Scottsdale? The stadium course. And I oh, watched, yeah. I turned on the TV about a month later, and I saw Justin Thomas double bogey it. So, you know, I'm just saying. You, you know, got a chance. <laughs> <All right. laughs> that does make you feel good, though, when you play one of those professional courses. I've been trying to do more of that. And you have a good hole, and then you see the pro, like, you know, totally screw up. It's kind of makes you feel good It makes you keep going back out there, right? Yeah. When you hit a few good shots. Golf will humble you really quickly. So it does. And then when you're playing good, it's just so much fun. So much for fun. Sure. Well, that's cool, man. So then you, uh, we'll, we'll speed up the process here, but then you got into kind of working with law firms. You also, uh, work for a couple other companies along, along the journey, right? Right. So, yeah. So
1: I left, I realized quickly that the golf business probably wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go professionally. And I also realized I wasn't going to turn pro anytime soon. So Mm -hmm. I just took a sales job with a, with a company that worked with law firms, litigation support services is what we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent a couple of years there and and I think that's when um, I realized that maybe I was more of an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. a problem solver, someone that thought, now maybe there's a better way to do this. And that's when I took my first leap into,
0: do you have a lot more flexibility though in those sales jobs? Oh, as far sure. as making your schedule, that's for the sure. thing I always see. And yeah. you, you know, you, you, the sales guys, get to like do a play golf on a Friday and build business, you know?
1: Well, yes. But they're on a no. desk all day. Right. Like
0: they used to be. Right. Like, making cold calls. I
1: mean, still there's still an element. Now
0: there's, there's coffees. You're out, of, you're out of the office more.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I still think that there's the opportunity to, to reach out to people on a cold call basis more of it's it's more warm now Mm -hmm. because you have access and the ability to to reach people through linkedin and other ways um but let's be serious here though sales guys aren't just on the golf course all day (laughs) at least the successful ones aren't so i learned that real quick when i got so why did you decide
0: to start your own business why did you have that that moment of like i i'm you were doing pretty well i know i know you're a guy that's been successful in your career why'd you decide in 2000 what very recently 2017 i think it was to uh well put this, up your is own my, shop.
1: this is my this is my third on, uh jump into entrepreneurship so when i was working in the litigation support services company i actually left and started my own and did that for 12 years okay yeah and that was versadocs and then um, dci or discovery consultants was um a right. spin-off i'm of looking Versadox, at your linkedin whatever, and i'm right? seeing
0: co-founder founder so right. you've been doing this for years yeah um,
1: my thing is i i well i mean I'm stubborn, but when I get in and, I, and I'm part of a system or, or a big company, so that Lanier Group was a Fortune 500 company,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I always find inefficiencies or problems with maybe how they're doing things and think that there could be a better way to do it. So I think that's what always leads me to take that leap and, and kind of go out on my own and, and try something.
0: What brought you back to working for someone else? You said you've been an entrepreneur yeah. three different times. Why did you jump back and forth? Um, the la- The most recent
1: one was that I felt like when I joined – uh, Cobb's Allen was that I was going to be in the insurance business again, and it's a big company, but it was new to Kansas City, so I felt like it was going to satiate that need or desire Mm. to work for myself because it was we were the first satellite company and Mm. had the opportunity in
0: building Kansas City's office. Yeah,
1: and that's when I, um, you know, it, it really it turned my focus to. Being more involved with the community in the city, and so I got involved with KCADC, and met mm-hmm. some wonderful people, and just you know, part of it is just going out, being visible, being president, present, present. Um, well, Jumping back into Lee you, Summit yeah. and connecting with my roots there, and getting getting in, in tune with the business community. I mean, those are all things you have to do, and then
0: then you got the uh, urge again to yeah, go on because your own. again, <laughs> again, I
1: think this is you know, I think it's a it, you know, it's my entrepreneurial blood. journey has always been. Of looking at a set of, of problems and then being able to be nimble and, and actually, and change the way things are done, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And insurance is kind of a, this is an old way that we've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how we've always done it. And that's how we'll continue to do it. And if you like doing it that way, then you, you'll fit here.
0: So give us the, the quick elevator pitch on what you, what you do every day and your, your company does. Yeah. And then we'll get into the, the, the new, fun new news, the new news, <laughs> the new, new
1: news. Yeah. Uh, you know, we manage risk for businesses. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, we, we pride ourselves on being a professional services firm, but not layered with a bunch of red tape and corporate um, ideas, I guess. Um, we're nimble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We embrace technology, innovation. We, we look at things differently than, than maybe a traditional broker would. Mm-hmm. And I think there's great opportunity for that. Yeah, I think is. you're seeing it. I mean, we just I saw you liked a, a new announcement, a couple of law firm buddies of ours that went out on their own. And I think you'll see more of that in the professional services field Mm. because the biggest misconception in my mind is that somehow you're better served with the big agency Mm -hmm. um, and maybe in in some cases you're not. And so being nimble and flexible like we are and being able to adopt new ways of doing things, I think, gives us a unique advantage because they're still getting the same people and knowledge and experience. We're still selling the same product as the big guys. Mm -hmm. We're just looking at, at ways to do it better and more efficiently. Yeah. And I think that's what people want now. They want you to, to think outside the box. They want you to help them better understand what you're doing for them. and so
0: I see what you're saying there. Uh, as far as the way the economy's changing with contractors, consultants, um, smaller boutique firms, the issue is is people want John at every meeting. you know and I have let's say I have 10 clients right, and they all are you know your senior level, you all have, they all have big issues. Um, you can't be there all the time for all of them. So that's the issue when you don't have a big back bench, right? And back end team to help you out. Yeah. But they, but then again, you do have that personal touch that you're talking about. If you don't feel like a number when you're a smaller company and you're helping people and you can usually deliver better results I and be so. more nimble. Yeah. And more nimble, I more nimble, more affordable. That's right. That's important too, right? Costs. I mean, price is always an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we
1: just want to make sure that's not the most important issue
0: so you've been doing this now for the new gig for over a year uh recently you just told me off air it used to be called the level insurance group now it's called level sagebrush insurance group tell us about that the final yeah the so segment.
1: this is just i think uh, how life works right so remember i said my first job out of college was with a group called gilbert mcgill
0: mm-hmm. well one of the first gilbert mcgill sounds like a law firm i know it's good <laughs> and it sounds like
1: a show tv show uh anyway one of the first uh Executive producer or vice president at that firm, um, four months into my stay there, left to go start his own deal. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, I'm out on my own getting ready to start my own insurance group, and I run into him by happenstance. And I said, Joe? And he said, John? And I said, What are you doing? He's like, I've, You know, I've got my, since I left Gilbert Miguel 20 years ago, I've got this great boutique firm that services a bunch of national accounts um, with my team right there in Lee Summit. Hmm. And he said, "We should figure out a way to to work together. You know, I want a perpetuation plan. I've got some great resources. Is there a way for us to figure this out?" So we started that. When did talk you start that talk? Uh, last December.
0: Oh wow, so it's a long time.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I've had some partnerships that. Uh, These partnerships are difficult, and you. Mu- I think it's really important to figure out where you align with your partner, especially from a value and and um, kind of vision perspective. And so we took our time figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to tap some of the resources he had on the back end. Yeah, Um, He really liked my vision of of kind of changing the way things are done in that industry, using some new technologies and being more efficient, nimble, as Mm -hmm. we say. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also opened up a vertical that I didn't have access to, which is group health insurance. So it's another um, area that we can serve businesses.
0: So that is pretty recent news.
1: Yeah, we haven't really done the official press release. It's there, not, there's
0: no website yet, right? We've
1: changed the branding. No, it's up. It's oh, it is? dot okay. levelsagebrush.com. Okay. Um, we're working Should have done
0: th- my research before I
1: brought it's you right. in today. The- well, I know. You called me 15 minutes before we, <laughs> before we got here.
0: So. Oh, man. No, that's not true. So level, levelsagebrush.com. I appreciate uh, – or love the listeners to take a look at that. And, uh, John, when we get back from the break, I want to talk about some current events and topics and also talk more about what's going on in economic development here in Kansas City. You're listening to the Grill Nation show on 980 AM KNBZ. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Welcome back to the show. Grill Nation show here on 980 AM. I'm your host, Jason Grill. It's been a fun show so far. I appreciate you joining us today, as always, on 980 or on iTunes via podcast. Again, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and search for me on all their social networks. Jason Grill post photos of our guest today as well, who's John Lovell, Lovell Sagebrush Insurance Group, uh, and also a a civic-minded guy. John, you're into economic development. Um, we talked a little bit about KCADC. Tell us about what you how you've been involved there. I I know that there's a lot of things happening as far as recruiting businesses to Kansas City, growing entrepreneurship, workforce development, talent, all those great things.
1: Yeah. Well, I was first introduced to KCADC through the Lee Summit Economic Development Council, mm-hmm. and I went uh, as a guest at the annual luncheon. And I mean, if you've never been, which to one?
0: That, which one did you go to? So this was like.
1: Uh, it was the, like 3 years ago and they brought in uh two guys um
0: I saw that they had the panel.
1: Yeah, and they were talking about um you know ways to Kansas City could attract mm-hmm. uh, more businesses and some of the
0: you should have you should have seen this week's or the this I was year's. there. You were there? Oh yeah, I saw I saw your tweet up on the board. Oh my god. Uh, I love that.
1: But love if you've this. if you've never been to that event and you go to it, you're like, "Okay, this is the penultimate
0: like annual a such lunch. A good
1: job. Oh, I mean the production, Tim, everyone, the content, the pacing, the food. It is it's it's how every event should be. Yeah. And and when I went there and I saw that, and I was still at Cobbs Island at the time, I was like, if we want to be visible and present in Kansas City, we gotta be a part of this group. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was able to to get our group involved and, and join. And then, you know, you meet Tim and, and Jennifer and some of the other people there and you're just you just wanna be a part of that group. Yeah. I mean they just they love this community and they love the surrounding communities. And
0: it's, you know, it's a good place to be. They worked really hard on that Amazon proposal. Uh, they just announced that Amazon will be going to New York and Northern Virginia if those cities needed an economic development push, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, right. New York, like New York City, we need a, we need some jobs. Right. Like, I mean, I was kind of surprised. I, I, when those two cities were announced, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think they were going to get the, get the place, but Kansas City was obviously very competitive with that and top 25, I believe. So.
1: Yeah, maybe yeah. just just outside that first cut too, <laughs> as, as Tim likes to tell that story. So, yeah,
0: it's just it's just interesting. It'll be I've I've heard they're they're going to potentially rebrand uh, Crystal City to the National Landing. Um, tons of tax incentives. Like I'm reading um, over almost six hundred million for uh, for the Virginia side of it, uh, which is just crazy. But the annual average salary is going to be one hundred fifty k for these jobs. For these jobs, that's, yeah, that's pretty good jobs. I know. I like, I mean it's just it's a it's amazing and it's what thirty thousand more people right. into these two markets. Which they can sustain that obviously in in New York and in Kansas in um, Northern Virginia pretty much is almost like its own city now. So it's interesting. I was
1: uh I was at a Lee Summit Economic Development Council meeting and the panel was discussing um the Amazon um proposal when that was sent out and so Lee Summit was given the opportunity to put something together um Mm -hmm. for that group and but what they measured was like what's the impact like what incentives are we giving and then this influx of people now not saying amazon would come there but it's something that communities had to think about when they were putting these proposals together is you know how does this affect our community how does this affect the infrastructure what we have here
0: Mm -hmm. well i'll say this it's funny i'm reading the article today on cnn business and uh kansas city was mentioned in the article from what mayor james did with his uh it's creative uh yeah. five star reviews. It's still getting it's still getting published. And then I know the mayor of Little Rock, they basically did a just did an amazing campaign down there too. And and the last thing I'll say about this, John, is that uh Nashville was awarded a a side project of five thousand uh customer fulfillment jobs, transportation supply chain activities. So that's pretty big for Nashville, getting five thousand new jobs, that's a lot. And that's one of our peer city competitors. So are those quality jobs? Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. So, so we, we need to keep competing with those cities and, uh, you're active in economic development and Lee summit, obviously is a suburb of Kansas city, but has a, a role to play. Tell yeah, us about, tell us sure. about what, what you envision the future of Lee summit, because you mentioned earlier, it was small when you moved there. Now it's over a hundred thousand people Yeah, and it's growing. Yeah. And it continues to grow. It's a big part grow. of the Kansas city metro and the region.
1: Right. And, it, uh, the metrics and, and the things that attract new developments fit well in that community. And it's been for the most part, I won't say underdeveloped, but there's a lot of opportunities still there mm-hmm. where there might not be as much in some of the surrounding comparator cities. So I think that's what's attracting some of the growth there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting is that I think you have to be, if be mindful of, of what type of growth and development you want, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how development in general is changing. So, I'm I'm part of a, a project, a, a big mixed-use development that sits on the corner of 470 and prior. Four years ago, it was presented with a big-box retail, some mm-hmm. apartments, and a few restaurants. Um, Council, thankfully, a couple years into it, realized that that might not be a sustainable use for that plan and said, hey, we'd like something that fits more with what's really occurring in our economy, which is a move away from big-box retail. More restaurant, entertainment, um, multifamily, live, work, play type mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a whole set of challenges with that too. I
0: don't and, think people realize that, and I know that you sit on the planning commission, right? That's correct. When did just you start a, there? Just got appointed uh, two weeks ago. Oh so. man, so you're gonna have a lot of hearings. Yes. You ready for that? You I've already had two. You gotta wear a tie to those things. No. Oh, no. Okay, maybe maybe no. not. Maybe it's not. Not an summit. elected. <laughs> it's not an elected <laughs> position. Oh, it's man. appointed.
1: So I was appointed by our new mayor.
0: Oh, cool. So yeah. I, what people don't realize is that. All of these development projects typically go in front of the planning commission, the city council. A lot of late nights, at least in my business, um, over in Overland Park and in City Hall in Kansas City. I haven't been to Lee Summit before for any projects or City Hall, but um, well, this is your official invitation <laughs> as my guest. <laughs> there is a lot of of long hours, a lot of potential, you know, work with the city staff and with elected officials to get these things done in communities and. If, Kansas City needs to continue growing. I think people think that we have enough hotels, we have enough of this, that, and the other, but if you look at all the actual occupancy, we don't. I mean in Kansas City downtown and Overland Park and Class A office, we have like no no new class A office. I mean yeah. it's a big deal. And I think that you see so much stuff happening and you think, okay, we've we've done enough. But really, we're just getting started is the way I look at it. I
1: couldn't agree more. Yeah. And you talk about Class A office space. I mean I think that obviously Kansas City has a is really pushing to try and, and get some spec buildings, but spec is not a real popular term for developers. And, and even in Lee Summit, one of our biggest challenges is, is like, how are we attracting businesses to that area, right? Mm-hmm. And and we don't have a lot of Class A space.
0: We would love to build some
1: Class A space. If you had the end user in mind, there's a lot of risk involved with that as a developer. You know, Kansas spec- City is a
0: little more risk adverse when it comes to Class A. Yeah, because some cities just build it and the, the, yeah. the companies come. We it, need fifty percent. And the
1: change in, in work. I mean, with with the co working spaces and and you know the, the there seems to be less of a need of you know physically coming into an office every day. And so I think mm-hmm. it's more difficult for people to find ways to to justify doing that. Um,
0: so how does the Lee Summit compete with a uh, Overland Park? I know you guys are right by each yeah. other, right? I mean, your four thirty five goes right through. Yeah, we're closer.
1: Than most people think. I mean, it's. It's – there's 435 and there's back roads too. But, you know, I don't know that we necessarily think that we compete with Overland Park. Um, but I think where there's a lot of metrics that say that we are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're in a u- unique position that I think what you're seeing is that national – um, uh, businesses or, or restaurant concepts or retailers are starting to see that there's this opportunity there. And so it takes time mm-hmm. for them to get word of that and then to get the idea that this might be a uh, a good place to come call home, so to speak.
0: So, mm-hmm. And it, it's truly not as far away as people think. Um, I'm partial. I grew up in the North Line, as you know. And I now that's says, a long way. No, I always Is said it? it's, some, it's crazy to me how people think that Parkville or The North Lane is farther away than Lee Wood or Lee Summit or Lee Wood because it's like right over the bridge right there. Oh, yeah. Easy to get to downtown. I mean, I'm a member of the Deuce. That's like the closest golf course. That's not an astronomical fee to become a member uh, around anywhere close to where you live downtown. Uh, And so there's just all these communities. And so I hope that it's hard to like picture Kansas City because, again, our population has to continue to grow if we're going to sustain all of these different things. But I'm obviously very concerned with the urban core yeah. and with growing the actual uh, businesses in downtown proper. I think that's one okay. of the last things we need to do as a city now that we have growing residential. Um, we need more companies to relocate to the city. I know that's or, against your part of the
1: suburbs. <laughs> but no, you bring up something interesting when you talk about urban core because I think
0: it's – Well, just imagine, John, if uh, if Sprint had built their campus downtown with 30,000 people, whatever, 15, 20 years ago. What right. That would have done for downtown at the time. Oh, it would have been incredible. A lot of foot traffic, more right. foot traffic. Well, now we're building that. I mean I lived downtown for quite a while. There's so much stuff going on. You don't realize it until you live there. You see, You just see like different events all the time, people all the time from – cowboys at the at the the country music concert to cheerleading competitions for kids to freaking you know M&M concert i mean it's all over the map right i right. mean and you don't it's just there's so much stuff happening uh and it's it's just i if you could just put a business down there a big company that's why amazon was so interesting to me like some sort of like a major brand just think of all the growth anyways on my soapbox there. No, it's, I mean, it's it's true. And, and we and we look for stuff
1: like that in Lee Summit, too. It's mm-hmm. you know trying to – and we've mirrored – I think we've mirrored, or at least we pay attention to what's going on and been a success in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you ever came to our downtown, it's very vibrant, lots of good restaurants. They had the foresight to know that yeah. putting money into the downtown was going to be important. Mm-hmm. And so now I push to say, okay, we need some density down here. Yes. You know, how do we get a multifamily? How do we get a good Class A apartment down here? How do we continue – and it's hard it's in the hard. suburbs. It's be, very hard yeah. with
0: your demographics too, and people that move to the suburbs for land and space, and, and they've been there forever. And, and I get it; they don't want they don't want the density. They, we do. We know it's important, right? right. So it, it, it's everything. And if you can capture, you know, our our
1: opinion is that if you can offer some of the same um, amenities that an urban core might offer, a young millennial or a young graduate might choose to come to Lee Summit. Mm-hmm. because they have some of those same things. And so um, until we do that, we're you know they'll go downtown or the plaza or wherever, wherever it is they want to live, mm-hmm. and
0: then you hope you bring them back somehow. John Lovell is our guest today on the Grill Nation show. We'll be right back after the break for our final seven. We're going to talk about some current events here on the National Office. You're listening to Grill Nation. To the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us again for our final segment today here at 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. John Lovell is our guest. He's with the Lovell Sagebrush Insurance Group. We've been talking a lot about economic development today and entrepreneurship, and uh, now I want to dive into some current events. John, you've you've always been a political kind of current events fan from what I understand, and uh, we're on different sides of the aisle, but we're both pretty moderate, I think. I agree. Pretty pragmatic. And I would say that that
1: my moderation or being more moderate is, is something that's evolved over
0: time. I think too. that is a lot of people in our right. age bracket. They're just kind of tired of partisanship, and they want stuff to happen. And so you – uh give us your thoughts about the last election because we just came out of it right. midterm. I know your dad ran for the state. Yeah, after, so personally and, and, I
1: had my first really foray into – running a campaign um and or being a part of a, a campaign. My father ran for state representative. In Missouri. Yeah, District thirty five, Missouri, which is primarily Lee
0: Summit. Primarily a Republican area. Yeah, I think there's only East been East. I mean, I think
1: it's been almost thirty five or forty years since a Democrat's been elected in that
0: uh, mm-hmm. that district. So your dad got out of the primary and then barely got out general. of the primary.
1: Okay. Um but so my dad if, if thirty eight years is parks director for Lee Summit, right? Mm-hmm. So City employee uh running as a Republican, I think a very reasonable, pragmatic, moderate Republican during the primary he didn't run as far right as most people would tell you to go, so he didn't go get all the endorsements that
0: sure. usually that drive sense. primaries,
1: and he barely won mm-hmm. and my dad, in his opinion was wow that's surprising to me i've been in this community for so long, I've built our park system i've you know this is a natural progression for me, right mm-hmm. which is I think to me is is the epitome of what public service should be right is you, you go do something and then you, you decide to give a couple years as a public servant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that surprised him. And then we certainly were, were surprised at the election results. And, um, it just is amazing to me, um, how partisan things have become. And even on an election like that, where, where you see a man that's kind of given to the community and done a lot of great things, um, and really has been prepared to go lead and serve. Um, basically just and not win. And yeah. it, it just is – it's a, it's interesting. And there was a lot of money poured into of negative, course, yes. calling him career politician, greed, corporate greed. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. And he's
1: never done any of the – I mean he's worked for the city for 38 years. So yeah. it just is a, – it is an interesting time. And I think it's hard to be a moderate, mm-hmm. which is hard to say, right? But it's like everybody says you're either a Republican and I vote for you or a Democrat and I vote for you. Nobody really is willing to cross that aisle and say – this guy just seems reasonable, pragmatic, experienced. You know, willing to to look at things from both sides and make good decisions. The
0: national level definitely affects things, even on the state rep level. And uh, money obviously comes in. Uh, as a person who was elected in a very Republican area as a Democrat, I think I was sixty percent Republican at the time. You constantly had a battle, and I, I completely agree with you. A lot of it has to do with the national sentiment as well. Uh, you know, like the wave elections. What, who, what the president's doing which is very frustrating especially when you are pragmatic and you get stuff done and you are bipartisan it sounds to me like your dad was pretty bipartisan kind of guy right yeah i, I so, think that makes so he learned a lot i'm assuming i love the shirts by the way I oh love yeah the green color you don't see green well, in politics very you know often. it was some parks
1: thing right it, it was intentional yeah. yeah i mean it was uh we are different um parks the green was pulling from the parks and. Um, wanted people to look at it, the election differently, and, and how they were picking
0: someone. And it your, didn't work. <laughs> what's funny is, is that a lot of Democrats won elections like that, and then Claire McCaskill did not win, which was the shock of the election I for
1: me. Yeah, and I think you saw that mostly in the Senate races, mm-hmm. um, maybe where there's fewer you're pulling from a bigger pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly in the in the Congress, I mean, you saw tons of.
0: So what do you, what do you want to see in 2020 from a, a presidential candidate that you support? I mean because there's going to be – well, obviously you're a Republican, so I don't know. Maybe maybe there will be a challenge to the president. Who knows? There's there's all this talk. There's also talk about a, a Democrat-Republican ticket. There's talk about the Democratic Party is going to have like 25 people running just like the Republicans yeah. did, and the candidates are all over the board for that. Um, I, I it's just, going what, to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting election.
1: You'd, you'd have to show me where being an independent or being a split ticket could actually work. Yeah. I mean, I, Greg work, Orman, yeah. I mean,
0: obviously, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work, and it's. But, but, it's, but, but Kelly, uh, uh, the new governor of Kansas, Laura Kelly, she, she got a lot of moderate support and Republicans. That, so there really wasn't a, a pathway for Orman in this race. It wasn't one on one. Yeah. And, uh, and he had ran before, so I think that hurt him a little bit. Um, but you're right. I mean, you have to kind of. How do you do that? How do you do that on a national level when everything's so partisan? And that's fueled a lot by cable news. That's fueled, fueled a lot by echo chambers. You know the drill. Yeah. Both
1: sides. And in the end, it's – I mean I'll be honest with you. I'm just just—I'm just kind of tired of all of it because it is so partisan. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's a mechanism in this country with with two parties basically, Republican and Democrat, that you could actually get someone moderate and in the middle elected. I mean, it just, again, I just referenced my dad's, you know, campaign. Maybe if he went further right, you know, that, that would have helped. Get, get the base out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, I think we're way, way too involved and interested in a lot of these things that are going on around us, whether it's through the news channels or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I think, man, just put your head down, go to work and make the world a better place. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. I can sit here and worry about all those things going on politically. Um, you say, who would I like to see in twenty twenty? Who I don't know. Someone that seems normal right I, mean, I gotta That's tell you, just,
0: John used to consider me a liberal. So I was I was uh, I was pretty far right back then. I had no <laughs> I had no reason to be um so let's have some fun here in the last few minutes. You you consider yourself a fashion advisor according to your LinkedIn or your your Twitter page, which by the way, you're you're private, but your your Twitter is John Level Three. Uh father entrepreneur, fashion advisor, and golf lover. Where does that come from? Which part? The golf, the, the fashion advisor.
1: <laughs> Typically, my fashion advising has to do with golf
0: attire. Okay. So, so I'm not you're, afraid
1: you're, to take on some of the PGA Tour players, um, and what they're putting together in their outfits. So who, who are you a fan of? Who am I a fan of? Of,
0: of their attire. Uh, I like Billy Horschel a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing camo pants at the uh, PGA yeah, championship when I, I had I like him the on polo. the.
1: Uh, I'm into, I'm into the, it's more subtle these days. I'm not a white belt guy. Um, any, only Good. time a white belt is acceptable. Is acceptable on a golf course is with white pants okay so
0: i've i brought some of the white pants last summer yeah white shorts white you got to wear a white belt though, huh yeah you don't have to but that's the only time the white belt <laughs> is acceptable i did see spieth wearing a white belt once in a while and you know what i've pants. actually
1: tagged him in some tweets to, in under armor to let them know that that's not acceptable with dark pants. so
0: what what so you like billy horschel anyone else what brands do you like um
1: i don't know i just I, i'm not a, I, I like all brands for the most part mm-hmm. it's just kind of what more into the navies and and subtle tones it's not it's not quite as crazy as it used to be so
0: god i gotta i gotta follow like a a mono kind
1: of a color pattern where it's it's kind of all working together
0: i love it this thing just
1: went in a really
0: no this is my fashion advice this is a great direction this is what we want man uh we want to have some fun here we've got about a minute left on the show today with john lovell john anything else you want to promote or talk about as we uh we finish the show today i know you're uh your new business is uh, levelsagebrush dot com. Check it out. Uh, anything else? You, you're very active in the community.
1: Yeah. So, uh, breaking news: um, Lee Summit announced As we tape today. The show. That's right. Right. It's on the tape show. Uh, Lee Summit today announced that Mid States Distributing has taken over the former Toys R Us facility in Lee Summit, which was a huge facility that was abandoned distribution mm-hmm. facility that was abandoned when they uh, went bankrupt and basically closed all their stores. So that's a good annu- announcement for us. It should bring in. A significant amount of new jobs, new quality jobs, and uh, I just credit Lee Summit Economic Development Council, Rick McDowell, mm-hmm. our city manager Steve Arbo, and our mayor Bill Baird for uh,
0: leading that charge. Well, congrats on uh, that, and congrats on uh, getting involved in the uh, planning commission and, yeah, it's and, and, and city like city government and also in uh, your community with EDC and everything you're doing. With your business. Likewise. I learned it from the best. Jason. John Lovell has been our guest. He's a great guy. Kansas City. Uh, get to know him, and I appreciate him coming on the show today. Appreciate joining us today on Grill Nation. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one. Take care.